0: We have Broad-Minded Resonator on the
1: line. Broad-Minded Resonator. I put in my name. I don't know why it's saying that. Oh, I think I put in my name and then I failed to connect and now Squadcast has given me a generic name like Orange Platypus or whatever they give you in Google Docs.
0: (laughs) Broad-Minded Resonator. I like that one. It's more like the server names. In Heroku (laughs) or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's like
1: green forest one two yes
0: yeah cool Hey how man, you doing? how's it going i'm feeling good feeling not good too, on a monday too bad yeah yeah how are you are we just saying the same thing <laughs> <laughs>
1: we're not allowed to have the same feelings on the same day that would ruin the intro so how are you peter
0: um i'm also fine oh on a monday okay I just, I need curtains in this room, as you can tell from the video. Yeah, you are like... I'm roasting. Yeah. I'm golden.
1: Yeah. <laughs> you look like um, one of those, like, uh, you look like a, some kind of art or, or sculpture where like half of you is just completely illuminated by the sun, just burnt, like super, super bright and the other half is
0: dark. Some kind of... And it's kind of what's going on as well. No,
1: it's just, it makes you look so dramatic. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> dramatic chipmunk <laughs> hey um, it's good to chat to you well, you want to do some uh, maker manager updates kind of thing I like that I like that a lot you awesome want to- do, you, do you want me to go first this time uh, sh- or do you want to go first get it out of your system you go first man okay okay I'll do a manager first um Bjorn and I took a few days off last week because there was a, a holiday and it was on Thursday. So the whole country basically decided Friday is a, is a holiday as well. I get Like everyone who's like unionized also gets the Friday off. Good call. So we, Maya and I, went to our cabin for the weekend, which was very nice. And you know, like mowed the lawn and went fishing. and hmm. But also... Um, did I, I, tr- I really tried not to work actually. And I didn't do any, like I didn't sit down to do any tasks, um, but a few people reached out that I wanted to basically onboard as customers. So doing the break, got two new paying customers, which was pretty exciting. It's great. One. One of them, especially, is uh, a batch company from the third batch of Tiny Seed that just started called Lasso. Cool. And they're doing um they're doing a tool for affiliate marketers, and I I recommend everyone go watch their video. Their demo video is amazing. It's one of the best demos I've watched. It's the one with the cowboy.
1: Okay, I haven't seen it yet.
0: It's so good. Hmm. Andrew, the the founder, told me that it took them a long time to find like a legit cowboy that could do the, the video for them. <laughs> it's awesome. He's super legit. <laughs> Very cool. Yeah. We should probably link it in the show notes maybe. Yeah, that sounds great. Yeah. So um, Lasso wanted to use Reform in their onboarding, which is one of my favorite use cases for the tool right now. So basically it means you sign up for their free, um, they have like a freemium model. So uh, you sign up, uh, or a free trial or something. I think they have a free trial, not freemium. They have a free trial. So when you sign up, the first thing you see basically is uh, the reform. And then they ask you about how big your website is and if you tried other affiliate tools. And then they do some cool stuff with hidden fields that I hadn't really thought about myself. But they basically also track They track the origin that they get from, um, from where people signed up. Mm. They track that in reform so they can look at that together with the the onboarding survey questions that they ask. Thought that was pretty cool. But yeah, it was a nice customer to get because it's yeah, it's the onboarding survey use case that I'm really excited about these days because it's such a like one of the worries I had of course with this product is the non recurringness yeah, tr- of mm-hmm. when you need a form. Yeah. <laughs> but this is very recurring it's ongoing and it's a it's critical like it's it's a core part of their onboarding right now yeah which is a little scary isn't it as a service provider in a sense i mean we don't want to block their onboarding certainly <laughs> so like stuff needs to work but i guess in general stuff needs to work when yeah you're the entry point to something forms just have and, to work period i mean yeah exactly your intake and if intake breaks yeah like our back end the builder like if that breaks down for some reason, you know people can send That's a support a ticket. Point. and We can fix it. But but the front end, it has to just work all the time. Like yeah, we we had a situation a few weeks back where we needed to deploy something, and we knew that no one was using the product because it was like like one customer at that point. Mm-hmm. And but we still decided we need to do this in a way that costs no downtime, just to get used like train that muscle. Like we can't just take forms down for two minutes, right? It, yeah it just it's not an option
1: yeah because at some point somebody somewhere is going to have uh errors for two mi- or during that window you know because of that yeah
0: right? and you never know how important that is for that person mm-hmm. so yeah yeah so yeah i was really excited about that and the thing that i love about that use case besides it being an ongoing use case is just like it's you, you're providing some sort of like baseline of value just by sitting there and they're onboarding. But then like the way I think about it's like the next time you need a form and you also, you could just reach for reform and, and create a form for something. You're like, hey, that's awesome. I had this tool, I'm already paying for it. Cause we're so used to like, every time we need to do something, we need to buy a new tool. But then when you have this general purpose form tool, you're already getting value, you're already paid for it, it already paid for itself. It just—I think it's going to feel good to people to just have that oh, yeah. tool and be able to use it for other things as well. So I
1: think they call that—I think they call that consumer surplus in a, in a sense. It's like I already have this—I uh, yeah. already have this cost. I'm paying it. If I can get more value out of something without any additional cost, um, of course, it's contributing right. to the long-term value to you. But to them, it's just uh, yeah, it's just more for more for the same amount, which is. Which is great. Right. Yeah.
0: It's cool. Yeah. And then the other cool thing was, um, because it's part of the onboarding, um, they were like, Hey, we need to get rid of the logo, the reform logo. Yeah. And I'm like, That's gonna be very expensive. <laughs> no. Um Oh, did you notice the sun went down behind that building? it it, I'm like a red shrimp now instead of <laughs> golden, whatever.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's a little.
0: Yeah, it's a little like purpley tones now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but basically, so this this started this whole discussion between Björn and I about like how much is a is the logo actually worth for us to have there. And I think what we ended up doing with Andrew was we basically doubled the price, so it's still. I'm pretty sure it's still way below what they like their willingness to pay because mm-hmm. it feels like this is an important tool to them now and they're willing to invest in something like that. Yeah. If it just works, as he said. But it also, we want to be a general tool. We want to be a horizontal tool. So we don't want to have, we don't want to be too expensive and we want to be, mm. at least for now, I think we're aiming to be probably like half the cost of, of the type form.
1: I think that's uh, just a quick commentary on that. Like, I think. I really like that because you're going from the bottom up with your pricing. Like you said, we we doubled our price, not we found out exactly what it's worth to him and charged just less than that because you're not pricing into the niche. Because who knows? Like somebody else might want to remove the logo because it's for some fundraiser or something. They don't have, you know, they have a really different budget, you know? So,
0: yeah. Yeah. It's too early to price for a specific. Yeah, Yeah, and that's what we talked about. Like, if Coca Cola needs it, like, it's not gonna be. They're gonna be in a different plan, not just because of the logo. They're gonna need other things too. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But everyone who's like who wants to embed it into their product, like, they probably want to remove the logo. Mm -hmm. And yeah, you know, when they send out, like, when you send out a a survey, you might not care about removing the logo. Mm -hmm. Like, it might be totally fine that there is a logo that says which tool you're using to collect the information Mm -hmm. i think um but at least for the embedded use case i see why it's it's something a lot of people would need and i think like it's not it doesn't feel like the right thing to just be like okay yeah that's like enterprise 10 times whatever yeah because for most people it's not an enterprise thing it's just a matter of like i want to use this tool but obviously like i can't show your logo as part of my onboarding yeah
1: yeah, I'm no Patrick Campbell, but I would say that when it comes from a pricing model perspective, it's probably really good to ask that question of how many people do I think I can sell this to, of course, before you yeah. pick that price. And you don't wanna you don't wanna lose out on a very long, potentially long list of customers that would pay for that, but you know, you price it for just some tiny group like the Coca
0: Cola's of the world and you probably make you know, yeah. make
1: less money actually. Yeah
0: yeah and then we talked about what the logo is worth, and it's it's interesting to think about like if we if we double the price, it means that the logo would like one customer like lasso mm-hmm. with our logo would have to generate another customer every month to be worth oh like more than one customer per month to be worth more than us just doubling the price. If that makes sense. Well,
1: so if they if they give you one new customer per month, they would have to pay you. You know, yeah. What what you're charging offsets the them referring one new customer that sticks around forever, right?
0: Right. Yes. Yeah. Which means, or as long as they stick around. Yeah, regardless. yeah.
1: Which means um, you're leaving a lot on the table, but I think that's back to the original point. That's okay. You know. You're not leaving. everything. Yeah. and I think yeah. if if
0: if uh, if one customer generates another customer per month, I think we're we're probably at a pretty crazy spot, anyways. Yeah,
1: yeah, you're you're way too early to be worried about. Um, do we have the optimal referral situation here? I mean, the fact referrals are happening already, the free plan is going to do that. So, um.
0: yeah, I suggested today uh, to Bjorn that we should build a. Basically like a slider. So you can just pay to increase the opacity or decrease the opacity of the logo. (laughs) Oh, man. That's funny. That is. And then add like an exponential (laughs) function. Uh,
1: Yeah. I mean, I said this. I said this not that long ago. Like putting your own logo onto something or removing the maker's logo is the easiest no-brainer like pricing threshold, you know trigger right to yeah. do in b2b SaaS, and everybody should do it they can right it's like
0: yeah yeah and like what's easiest getting someone to pay to remove the logo of finding another customer mm-hmm. so i think i i feel like that it's a pretty good place for us to start with that oh yeah i yeah, think yeah. yeah and it was good to see like someone being willing to pay more than the 19 bucks that we charge now you could and, all
1: yeah. yeah
0: thinking outside the the box a little bit maybe you could give people
1: the option of keeping the logo and saying look you're paying customer but we will offset your subscription and or pay you a referral bonus for every person that comes through that thing and so yeah maybe they're paying customer but they keep the logo anyway so they pay you the whatever dollars a month but they're like i think i'm actually going to keep a little link or logo there just so i also make referral money because like that's good for me.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's something we talked about as well. That's how drip did it. Every drip customer was essentially a referral as well. Nice. Um, Yeah. So that was really nice. It's it's, I I love seeing that use case. A few other people had um, signed up and mentioned that use case and I'm, I'm going to reach out to a few more of those, I think to see if we can get them to put it in the onboarding. Cool. Yeah. So I guess from a, from a manager point of view, that's what I've been busiest with is just like going through those or just like, you know, going through the subs submissions that come through the inbox and, and see if there is a good use case that I want to talk to someone about or just work with someone like lasso too. like, they all, they also had a lot of feedback and stuff that they, Oh want, yeah, sure. Or they expect it to work and it's, kind of leads me to the next thing which is when we'll launch <laughs> Um, which is the the question that we it, it it's kind of like fusion energy like it's <laughs> it's always right around the corner it's, it's not 50 years out but it's like two weeks out <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's <laughs> so okay what <laughs> yeah but I, I don't know the thing is right now the thing that's interesting right now or i guess good I in a sense is everyone who signs up right now and, and it's not a lot of course but the people that we're that are trying the product now they all have the same feedback mm-hmm. there's a like an 80 percent overlap <laughs> between all the feedback that we get so it's extremely obvious what we need to do before we kind of like start inviting people mm-hmm. and like it just feels stupid to start launching to our list if we know what everyone is going to say so it's as boring, I guess, as it is, like it's just a matter of fixing more things before we start doing it. Can,
1: can I? I'm gonna ask a, I'm gonna ask a hard question. Um,
0: <laughs> so I am stealing from
1: uh, Shreyas, the product manager or product director there at uh, Stripe, who was recently on uh, Art of Product. Um, but he has this really cool categorization of things where he talks about uh, how to categorize product product changes or improvements. And, you know, one of them he calls, you know, differentiators, incremental improvements. So making something good to great, um, or bad to better. And then there's broken windows, which maybe is better said the bad to better or not good enough, embarrassing to good enough to not be embarrassing. Are all the things you just mentioned, things that you put in that embarrassing camp, the broken windows category? No,
0: it's, I don't know what the split is, but some of it is definitely that it's like the first thing that have have the people sign up. The first thing they do is try they they try to copy and paste something, and we we have really bad support for that right now. Oh, like a like, like a form field. questions or they have like I think for some reason people write this stuff down in in a Google Docs so they can share it with someone else before they, they take it to the form tool or they have a, a form in another system that they want to copy over or something like that. So a lot of people end up starting with some sort of copy-paste situation. Hmm. And it's a bad, that's a, be, a bad first-hand h- impression with our tool right now. Yeah, interesting. Um, so it's something we want to do something about. And the other thing is people try to do like WYSIWYG stuff, like they try to... Make some text bold, or paste a link mm. and stuff like that. We we don't have support for rich text uh, right now, as well. Huh. So, okay. and the, but then there's also thing that things that they like they're blocked by. Like they need logic to skip a page, or they need a certain field type. Mm. And, so there, it's, it's I mean, yeah. It's it's very straightforward. Like there's yeah. none of it where we're like okay hmm. okay. I wonder how we would solve that. Yeah, then like, that, that sounds really...
1: That's probably what it's about. It's like you, you... I hear you. I feel you. I think the main thing is just... You're not asking for my opinion, but my opinion would be... You know, the things that on that list, as long as there's none that have this, like, treacherous quality about them where you're like, I don't know, this could really blow up and take us a long time, then it's like, great, you know, just...
0: Yeah, like the rich text where, like, it would be really nice that... Like to start inviting people without half the people complaining about we're not having it. But at at the same time, we defined an appetite for it Mm. because it's something that can easily just, you know, go out of, spin out of control and just, Mm -hmm. you know, you're re-implementing Google Docs or something like that in the end. Yeah. Yep. And that's not what we want to do. Yeah. So It's
1: like finding just enough of that so that people go, okay, it's not...
0: Like, a mature thing, but it's there. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like, for example, like, most people need rich text as the first part of the form. Like, they need some sort of introduction paragraph with maybe a bulleted list, a link, or, like, something like that. Mm -hmm. Describe some sort of thing that people are signing up for.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. So ideally we would want rich text to be available everywhere like if you're writing a label for something you should be able to have a link in there or some bold text or something so basically every block in our form builder is you can do what you expect to do with like rich text but then when we played around with it today like we realized that might be like too big of a scope but so we basically realized, okay, it would be really easy for us to just have a rich text block type. So you can just add like a, a, a form, a block to your form that has this like rich text mm-hmm. um, editor experience. So that's like our backup right now. It's like if we run out of time, mm-hmm. it, you know, with the appetite that we defined, we'll just do that. And that'll be good enough for now. Yeah, yeah. That's- but we want to spend like a day or two, see if we can get the other thing to work. mm mm-hmm because we legit don't know how much work it is so we just want to like play around with it. Yeah. The 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 proper version is would be great,
1: but if not there's this escape hatch where you just say, "Yep. That'll satisfy the yeah. needs." So you can
0: <laughs> you can you can have your Google Docs thing mm-hmm. paste it up here in the beginning of the form and then you can put all your fields below that. Okay. Cool. Cool. Yeah. But that's not like that's not an exciting solution, but it's uh good enough solution for now I think
1: yeah that's okay you're not trying to differentiate on that per se yep
0: yeah and then yeah I'm also just trying to really I guess moving into the maker stuff a little bit we're we're really trying to take advantage (laughs) I guess of all the people we know that have done similar things Mm -hmm. so I guess last week um I jumped on a call with Derek and he was very kind to basically give me all his wisdom about how to do a, like an embed script because obviously he built the one for Drip. Oh, that's so good. And yeah. basically help us do like, so we had a working solution, but I was like, it, it'll be stupid not to run this by Derek because he can basically just take like, I don't know, 10 years of <laughs> this kind of experience and be like, hey, you don't want to do this. You want to do this. Blah, blah, blah So that's basically what he did. He's like, in my, like if you do this you probably you probably never have to change it again. It's awesome, and you can ship like you can ship updates to your snippet, but you won't have to change the 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 stuff that they pasted on their Ooh, end that's most likely that's good, and I was like, yes, that's worth spending a day <laughs> yeah. getting that set up <laughs>
1: absolutely good call, yeah, yep,
0: and I'd already send our old snippet to one or two people that I had to asked to update the snippet and just like feeling the pain of that it's like yeah it i I don't want to have to do this too often
1: yeah yep makes sense
0: and then today we're working on logic so i I hit up Benedict from Userlist and was like hey you have a lot of logic in your app hmm. what's like is there anything about like the data structure that you know you wish you knew from day 1 about how you store this and hmm. um Because he has, it's literally the same UI that we need for. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Like, it's like, you know, if email equals whatever, or like if name equals something, do something on the next page or go to this page or something.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: That's cool. Yeah. Huh. So. Quick question
1: actually for you on that front. So now as a, as a reform customer, um, I'm doing early access sign up list, which is cool. I had the thought of like, oh, I want to email these people. <laughs> obviously, we have this list of email addresses at the next one of those things on the horizon is obviously going to be put these email addresses automatically into whatever tool we're using for emailing, I guess, or that's an integration that's coming
0: yeah I mean that's what we're using zapier right now to get all the people that sign up for our early access list into user list mm, okay we're actually the f- we're the first people to test some of the marketing capabilities of user lists mm. so you can basically have that's what you've requested since day one as well so we basically have everyone who doesn't have a user ID Oh, interesting <laughs> and then when they get a, a user ID they become a a user basically clever okay so i could do that i could pipe it's, into intercom using zapier as well yeah okay cool that's pretty straightforward okay nice yeah so that's what's going on like we're just trying to prioritize these things i I it's not like we don't want to launch it's not like we just try to like stay in this phase forever I, I went through the list again today and like we're like do we actually need this or do we need Like, so I have a pretty good, I think I have a pretty good idea about what we need to get done. And I feel like we're making pretty good progress as well. Cool. There's like, there's already so much I want to do and so much stuff I want to do differently already. And, but it feels good that it, we, we're not working in, in the blind, I guess, like where people are telling us what they need and they're telling us what like where they're blocked and yeah as i said last time like i still worry that everyone wants some different solution that we that's not the one that we're going to build but at the <laughs> same time like the more people we invite in and the more people we talk to is like it becomes more and more obvious that our use like because our tool is so i guess minimal like, it just fits in, real like, in many different places. Mm. And also, a lot of people describe different things, but in reality, they really want the same thing.
1: Mm. Mm-hmm.
0: That's great. So, I'm less and less worried about that. I think I told Bjorn today, like, there's no, like, there's no way that this is going to be nothing. Like, it's going to be something. Yeah. And it's nice to start to come to this realization. Like at least it's, it's, it's going to be something. It's already something. I think we crossed $200 MRR and we haven't started inviting the, the, you know, the email list besides just people, mostly people we knew. Yeah. So,
1: and I think your yeah, I think your retention is going to be pretty phenomenal because it's just too inexpensive to bother with. Number one, um, and number two, the number of times people reach for it. All the things we talked about. Like, I think if people... Now, people don't create a form and they don't ever implement it. That's that's an activation problem. But I think once people activate, I just think it's going to be one of those things that they just let <laughs> leave running for a very long time, hopefully. Um,
0: yeah, yeah, especially because you can't cancel
1: right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> you have to call... <laughs> You have to you have call to Denmark. Call oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Brian. Yeah.
0: You have to call Bjorn. <laughs> yeah.
1: Only available br- during these hours, yeah. Eastern time. Yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> nice. No, of course you can cancel, but you need to, you need to talk to your credit card company. Yeah. Make it as difficult as possible. You need <laughs> to, to talk possible. to me. Yeah, exactly. How about it? Yeah no it's great man well, you also need to talk to me to sign up so I feel like it's still okay oh yeah as yeah. long as it's the same like you need to talk to someone to sign up and you need to talk to someone to
1: cancel yeah keep those the same and you're good as long as it's the, exactly yeah. it's like easy come easy go or difficult uh, and and more work but yeah it's, it's, it's when you become a lobster trap that you get in trouble it's like easy to come in good luck getting out yeah yeah, <laughs>
0: yeah exactly cool yeah so feeling good about things and um yeah, cool. I guess that's that's my update.
1: Nice, man. Happy for you.
0: I'm, I'm, I'm feeling good about your thing as well. Why is that? I told I, t- <laughs> I told I Maya the other day. I'm I'm I I think like I I pictured like a a weight a weighing scale or weighing scale, and I was like I, I'm leaning more and more to the in, instead of the he's crazy, he's a genius <laughs> <laughs> side of. <it. laughs>
1: oh man that's funny what what was it that uh tipped the scales
0: i don't know it's just it's i i'm starting to see how i could use this tool in more concrete ways and Mm -hmm. it's just uh cool yeah i mean some of it is still like breaks my brain so i don't understand like all the pictures that you're posting on twitter but at least they intrigue me and i want to understand them (laughs) Yeah, yeah i appreciate that
1: uh Cool, man. Yeah, I think that's it, it's still we are about a month out I think from having a version that I want to share with Beyond the Team. Um, so I think it's, you know, and you know how much can be done in a month when you're focused. So I think it, it, right. it's a good sign that even now you can see something and go, oh! <laughs> you know, like that that actually has some utility that um makes sense to me and i think that's yeah that's where that i'm i'm happy we're
0: there you know um reading your readme page that you put up mm. got me really excited like mm. about describing the summit event language
1: yeah yeah that was a big
0: that was really well written and Thanks. just sort of fun to read from like a programming cool perspective i guess
1: that makes me happy i really enjoy writing that stuff um i wrote I think I wrote 3. I was planning to write 1 page that day. When was it sometime last week, I think Friday. And I just got carried away and I think I wrote uh 5 pages of documentation um in there and it, yeah, it just felt really good. Basically trying to teach people from square one, you know, what the heck is this thing. And um
0: from a you think you're going to go O'Reilly? Or prack proc. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean,
1: I, I'd love to. Well, I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of emotional aspects of that or question. The I mean, it's kind of streets. a it's funny. It's it. There's a lot of tongue in cheek there, and there's a lot of you know whatever. But at the same time, I think there is a lot of um, emotion and aspiration in saying if it's good enough and it's valuable enough. Like I think a not insane success. Uh, milestone is there is a book out there that teaches people how to, like, like recipes, you know? It's like, yes, you can get a reference guide to, you know, Python online from, you know, some .org, but, like, if there's actually a book of, like, Python recipes, like, clearly the language has gotten traction in the market because other people care enough to write these things and, and share them, so. Um, yeah, I don't think that's crazy, and I spent, um, yeah, I've spent some significant time in the last week on both the maker and manager side, I think on the manager side, so on the maker side, writing the documentation, working on designs and I would probably say using the product directly and providing feedback to, uh, Giles on just how the product feels, how it's performing, if it's doing what I expect, building things with it, um, making things with summit, (laughs) uh, and then commenting on the experience and where it's still falling short. And then, you know, I said this uh, probably a couple weeks ago. It's really amazing how there's now, like, the language existed before the before the UI that we have today. But the UI is so much more efficient at writing, you know, the language that um, I'm getting faster feedback on the language itself in terms of, you know, its shortcomings and how it should work and things like that. So there's this um, positive feedback loop now between the the IDE, if you will, and the language where you're like, oh, this isn't the IDE's fault. Like, I want to be able to do this, but the language doesn't support it. What's fun is when you're the author of the language, you can just go into the language instead and like, you know, change it there. So one fun thing I did last week was, you know, I've... I just noticed that I was having to put in these numbers a lot of times that were just kind of ballpark estimates for different things. Roughly how much money I have in the bank, roughly this, roughly that. And I just realized that, you know, wouldn't it be kind of delightful if the language supported this idea of uncertainty natively? And not in like a precise scientific way, but just the same way that when you're at a whiteboard and you kind of wave your hand a little bit and say like, ah. And I was always like, oh yeah, you you put like a little tilde in front of numbers like that where you're like, oh, it's about 250. And so I just invented this little syntax where if you put the tilde in front of a number, it will pick a random number plus or minus uh, 5% from that number or 10% from that number. And so, you know, uh, 50 is going to, actually randomly become something between 45 and 55 and stuff like that. And you can use that on any number anywhere in your model. So it's just really fun because now, well, there's a lot of reasons why it's fun. I'll get into that in a second. But it worked. It was really easy to implement, actually. Put it in the parser. It just goes through, does a a, a match. And, um, yeah, now you have this instant ability to kind of fuzz your numbers. And, and also, I think this is the key point. It's one thing when you put 15,000 into a spreadsheet and you know that it's fuzzy, but then you share your model your spreadsheet with somebody else and then they immediately fixate on that 15,000 with the three zeros on it and go, well, that's really round and precise. You know, and it's like a stumbling block to them then because they they want to know where you got the number, how accurate is it and everything else by letting you put a little tilde in front of it you're explicitly declaring that it's a fuzzy estimate it's an estimate and they should they should read it as such instead of like obsessing over the exact digits right that it is so so i did that
0: yeah that was really uh it was it it was in you the, the screenshot you shared you had several versions or you could tweak the how much mm-hmm. it differed from the, or how, how random, yeah. But it was very, um, I'm, I can't find the right word, but it, elegant. It was very elegant syntax. I thought Thank you. It looked looked great.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's really concise, right? It's it's like if I'm in Excel and and I want to put in a number and I want it to be randomly between, you know, eh, I want it to be roughly fifty. There is a way to do that, but it's gonna involve a random function and some calls and some multiplication and whatnot. Um, I think that
0: and you're not encouraged to do that.
1: Yeah. You're not encouraged. To do that. It's not dangerously easy. You know, it's no, it's hard enough that you probably aren't going to do it. I mean, I don't think I've ever done. And then it's weird. Cause it's like, well, what does it mean in, in Excel to rerun the model so that you get a new random number? Is it like every time yeah. I change, you know? So, so I think it's just, it's a nice place for it. <laughs> yeah. To your point, so you can do a tilde in front of something, and that's plus or minus 10%. If you do a tilde, and then the number, and then a question mark, it ups it to 25%, two question marks, 50%. So you can basically admit that something's a complete wild guess, right? <laughs> and, and you know, there's another way that people approach this, with it, which is um, Monte Carlo simulations, where you can put in numbers, and then you can declare distributions that you want to use. Like... You know, a uniform distribution, a Pareto distribution, um, and then run say a hundred model runs and get the spread, the the stochastic output from that, and then you sit back and you look at that and you figure all this. And you do all this analysis. I think it's a lot to ask somebody to do all of that work, and so I'm I'm trying to introduce this little baby step of you don't need. You're not trying to do a full blown Monte Carlo simulation. But what's important to you is you documenting the fact that it's a an estimate, having the model treat it like an estimate, and then making sure other users know that it's an estimate. Like that's a nice to me foot in the water, as opposed to yeah. a full blown, you know, like I said, Monte Carlo simulation thing that feels like a heavier exercise. Yeah.
0: Right? And I know for someone like me, like when I if I try to do some some of that modeling like if i'm trying to uh, model my runway like there are numbers where i'm like i i don't know like and i i actually want it to be a little random because i want to see about like the numbers that i actually know Mm -hmm. when i change those like how how does that change the the entire thing even when some of the other fields are more random oh
1: interesting point yeah so you can you can use this to treat certain things like controls and certain things like yeah.
0: non controls, right? And what what I, is it actually <laughs> is this number actually important because this like because I thought this other number was mm. this exact number? Hmm. Or if I change it to like some, some something more random, is my is does it still hold? Like is it still Yeah. Can I still control it with this other thing? Yeah.
1: Or? Are you are you on the wrong side of some are you just on the right side of some threshold? And benefiting from yeah. that, or are you, um, or are you, uh, you know, are you not? And uh, I think, I think what I also learned is that if you put one of these into your, into your syntax, then as you continue to build the model, you know, the output changes then each time you run it, right? It's just like if you had a random function in your code. And what's fun about that is that it, you start to get a feel for the textures, like the texture of the possible output starts to become apparent to you. Like, so you put in a, eh, it's roughly 50. Well, like then you go on building and you see the numbers at the bottom. It's like, ooh, my revenue is 11,000 a month. And then they keep building. It's like, ooh, 9,000 a month. And you're like, oh, where's that coming from? Oh, that's all coming from that. And like, can you live with, right? Are you comfortable with, like the differences that you're seeing, right? As you keep yeah. building, it gives you a more of a, a tangible um, experience in terms of what's possibly going to happen. Yeah. yeah. So I just had a lot of fun making that. Um, and that was just one of those random Friday things. But uh, it really brought me a lot of joy to put that into the <laughs> into the system. And it was um, very high leverage, you know, for a one character feature. So <laughs> um, right. So that was cool. And then on the manager side, maybe shift over to that. I spent um, some time last week and then this morning really, I'd say each week right now, my job on the product management side is to take all the stuff that's in flight and in progress, kind of update the status and everything, and then do a resort and just make sure that we still think that these things are important and that they need to be done before we release this to others so i did that this morning and one thing that i thought was really one really encouraging sign was because of the work we did in the last week not only did the amount of work decrease linearly because we checked some things off but even some of the things that i thought we needed i moved those down below the line now and said you know what like those changes made it so much better and I don't think we actually need these things anymore that I thought we were going to need because the product is just even better than I thought it was going to be at this point. So we're we're shrinking scope pretty pretty rapidly at this point, And I feel like we're converging on a finish line that is not yeah. going farther away. If anything, I think it's getting closer, which is really
0: exciting. Nice. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I can totally relate to that. We keep, like that keep happens to us as like, we, when we didn't have multiple choice, we were like, we also need like a yes and no, right? Exactly, like boolean, yeah. And then, but then once we had multiple choice, we were like, well, we sort of have boolean because you could just put you know two Boo- boolean options, yeah, in, in the multiple choice. Um, so when we had the other thing, like we actually didn't need need the first thing that much, so it's, yeah, yeah, and it's just. Like some of these things, like if it's nice to see people be creative mm-hmm. and see it more like form more organically what you actually need, but you still need those basic building blocks. Like you still you need to provide some basic tooling so yep. they can get the stuff done they need. Yeah, exactly. But I think once you provide that. But it's it's nice to like, even if it's almost artificial, like see them, like force them through a few hoops mm-hmm. just to see if they'll do it. Just sort of like from a psychological point of view. Yeah, yeah. So exactly. And so if I look at our uh,
1: work that needs to be done still, I'd say we're probably pretty close to evenly split now between, you know, differentiators like great stuff, incremental things that just make what's there, say, you know, 50% better or 100%. So big incremental changes, but still we're going from good to good to great. And then stuff that's just embarrassing and needs to be fixed. And so I think yeah, it's probably a third in each camp. And I think once those are done, I really believe once those are done, there are going to be some people who are willing to pay for this. Um, 12 bucks a month is going to be the price uh, initially for the paid version. There'll be a free version as well with one model that you can build. But if you want to build two models, um, have colors, have integrations, um, some other things, it'll be 12 bucks a month. I think we'll, I think we'll get there. (laughs) Yeah. So that's it. I, I'm still excited to try it. Yeah. Yeah. Even, even though, you know, you're only going to get one, one thing
0: for free. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. But. I sent you a picture of my son yesterday in front of those. What are they called in English? Oh, what was that? The. Where were you? When you're calculating. Oh, an abacus. Yeah abacus yeah Yeah. oh that's right yeah Yeah. i didn't know what that was called in english but (laughs) he's he's got one of those and i was like tobias would like to know if this could be done more efficiently in (laughs) some yeah
1: Yeah, for sure well you could do some personal financial use cases (laughs) lots of use cases and somebody asked a good question on twitter this morning about that you know just asking the number of use cases for summit v3 which i thought was kind of (laughs) kind of cute that he called it v3 because let's let's be honest it's the it's the third swing here of the bat um so many use cases and i think i think that's a strength like i'm not trying to hide the fact that it has so many use cases i think what we're trying to do is keep the surface area of the product small so lots of use cases doesn't mean a very big bloated product but it just means a product that's very flexible and very fast And so it it provides a substrate of functionality for many, many, many use cases. But the key thing is I don't want, I'd rather have many use cases among a market of people that talk to each other and maybe maybe you use it for three different things and somebody else uses it for two different things and somebody else you you know uses it for something different. I think that's okay. What we don't want is, well, medical professionals use it for this and lawyers use it for that and these people use it for that and they don't talk to each other and they don't relate and they're all different. Like use cases scattered across markets is bad. I think many use cases within a market is what you expect out of a tool, like a knife or a spreadsheet or whatever, <laughs> or whatever right? It's like, yeah, of course you use it for a lot of it's like forms, you know, you want people to use it for a lot yeah. of things. So, um,
0: it's funny. Like we, I remember, <sighs> probably more than a year ago, I remember us having a conversation here in the podcast about how we started with a very fixed use case. And then we just, the tools became more and more flexible and you built, you build a more and more general purpose tool. But then we kind of both at the same time, went back and built some simpler use cases on top of the, you know, the, the general purpose tool. But now we're both, moving in a very very horizontal so it's like it it, it's like we we jump back and forth between like super niche and not niche at all Mm -hmm. and it's it's interesting because i i like i love the bet that we're making right now and it feels it feels good and we're seeing a lot of people being interested in it but then another like my backup plan right now is like like there. are we're seeing some really, really solid use cases right now from just like even stuff that we hadn't really thought about when we started building the tool mm-hmm. and people are using it in ways that we hadn't thought about. Yeah. So like the SaaS onboarding survey tool, that's a product in itself. Like, mm-hmm. so if, if we can't figure out how to build a horizontal general purpose form solution for some reason or the market apparent, like for some reason doesn't want it, like, there is like all these different use cases that people have been showing to us that we can just dive into and, 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 and try yeah. instead. And some of them like that is its own product and its own business yep. if someone wanted to.
1: Yeah, and, and people are. I mean, people are focused on onboarding specifically and building vertical solutions. I think what you might be doing is taking the first 5% of that you know, not away, but you're overlapping the first five percent and saying, "You could have that tool, or you could just use a reform, and you could use the reform for these three other things in your business." Yeah, and for some of those, it'll yeah, be a big part of the value prop. Yeah, for some of those, it'll be enough. Um, I was talking to somebody this well, same same conversation on Twitter this morning about, you know, how do you position a tool that's horizontal? I think you focus on features because features are useful in many use cases, which I know contradicts the common wisdom of focusing on benefits. Um, but I think it's right. I think features is where you tend to focus, you know, clean, fast forms, right? Not forms that are great for specific use case thing because <laughs> you, know, you don't want to just pigeonhole yourself. Um, Feel good forms. Yeah. And then I think the other thing is, you know, thinking more about when should people reach for a reform? You know, if you can get people accustomed to thinking about like when I should reach for one, you know, when I need a blank, then sort of the implementation details of like who's filling it out, what the fields are, et cetera, is not the use case. It's not as important as just training them to reach for a reform when they reach a certain kind of situation, right? So I'm I'm hoping the same for summit is that when people are presented with a certain kind of problem or a certain need, they reach for it as a tool and that's what we help them understand. Like when should you reach for summit, you know? And then I think, you know, what they do with it, we're going to be sort of delighted to find all the ways that people, (laughs) people use it, right? Like probably go way beyond what we imagined,
0: yeah. I think it's like notion. <laughs> it's a good example. Of yeah. That. Yeah. I didn't, I don't think they thought people were going to build websites and all, like all the things that people are doing. Totally. And, ha- or maybe they did. I don't know. Maybe they had a division.
1: Yeah. And, and another, like how mission critical those uses are and how important they are and the value that people feel out of it. It's, it, notion in some sense they care but they're not going to say well this is only for people who are using it in a mission critical setting it's like no if, if you want notion my, my daughter uses notion just to organize her personal life notion doesn't care if a teenager uses notion to organize their personal life versus you know a medical board uses it to organize their notes from from board meetings like they really don't care why should they in, in a sense yeah. you know yeah um so I'm ex- I'm I'm with you. I'm really excited about the horizontal bet and embracing it.
0: Yeah. Horizontal bets is like the 2021 thing to do.
1: It's, yeah. And it's sort of like, we're just, we're just following the trend, man. Yeah. I mean, we have to. We're in a podcast. Right. Well, cool, man. Good to chat.
0: Yeah. Good catching yeah. up.
1: Have a great rest of your day. Oh.
0: You too. Talk to you next week. Bye. (laughs) (laughs) Bye.